On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named L. And L was in a toxic relationship with a paranoid controlling abuser. It's a story of insecurities, conforming, sexual coercion, responsibility deficit disorder, recognizing patterns, and changing behavior for the kids. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Elle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. And before we get into your story, everyone, if you want to be a guest on our show, like L is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top the button, top of the button, top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button. It takes you to our Guest Form page. Please read all the instructions and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or just fill out our Guest Form page and press the Submit button. And today you are going to hear Elle's story and a big trigger warning for everyone. We have a talk on here of sexual coercion. Uh, there's physical abuse uh, talk as well. So please be aware of that. And that's the big trigger warning for you today on those two subjects. And, you know, Elle here has uh, lived a life. She's been uh, raised by a narcissistic mother and there's that whole story this podcast could have been uh about her mom uh, it could have been about her partner and she chose to do it about her her partner so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in her story where the mom it does weave in and out here and there and a as well this story is you know about uh, you know uh, someone who's a survivor and Elle is a survivor and she's dealt with a lot and still dealing with a lot. Things technically aren't really over here. So it's kind of a, a work in progress. So a really big uh, thank you to Elle for, for being here because uh, what she's been uh, through uh, wasn't easy. Telling the story isn't uh, easy as well as a lot of our guests know. So that is that. So now, Without further ado, L, the floor is now yours. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Um, I grew up as a single child with single mom. My mom and dad divorced when I was three, and she got full custody of me. And then ended up moving me to Colorado. My childhood wasn't really that bad. Like when when people ask me how how was it? Like when when I was younger, my mom took me on a lot of vacations. Uh, she bought me a bunch of cool gadgets, scooters, razors scooter things and and really kind of 
like doted on me. Um, what I didn't realize until later was she was trying to get me to kick her to hate my dad. Um, she would tell me stories about their relationship that made my dad seem just an awful person. Like he cheated on her a whole bunch and he abandoned me and her and wouldn't help and just picked my stepmom and his new family over me. So growing up in my younger, younger years, I kind of like didn't like my dad very much, um, which is sad. But so growing up with her alone and having things, good things, trips to London and the mountains, you don't question that person and the way that they get you there or the way that they do things. But I started noticing how she was treating other people, especially like wait staff or people on, on the phone. And if she didn't get what she wanted from them, she would scream, scream, call them names, demand to talk to their supervisors. Um, and, and it would be over things like, she asked for tea and water, and they forgot the tea. And she would become irate. You should get a different job. You're, what are you doing here? You're too stupid to be here. And, and like, that was, like, regular. And I started apologizing to servers. Like, I'm sorry. I would be embarrassed. I'd be just, like, mortified. Sitting like next to my mom, I I wouldn't want to go with her anywhere. Uh, sometimes when she would be on the phone with somebody, say trying to pay a bill, she would be doing the same thing, and I would just snap and I'd yell, "Stop!" Um, every time I did that, though, I would get reamed. <laughs> just like don't don't speak. Uh, my mom used to say, "Children should be seen and not heard." It was, it was hard to be the only one in the house and trying to push back on the authority because I knew, I could see how it was hurting the people that she was doing this to. I mean, she would do it to me, but it was normal, right? To me, I, I just, I put up with it all the time. Like I could see, I, I felt like it was my responsibility in a way like I don't know I don't know how to explain that but when I saw her doing it to other people that were not involved at all I just that I couldn't take that I tell her all the time I don't I don't like the way that you treat other people she just doesn't care I don't care I'm not listening I'm not listening to this I don't care um first time I had my heart broken (laughs) My mom's version of comforting me was to tell me at 14 that the best way to get over somebody, to get under somebody else. And what I quickly realized was the 
higher status, the boy, better my mom treated me. Um, I was bullied by a group of girls in school. And my mom befriended one of the girls' mothers. So we were, we were actually on this palm squad together. So that's kind of how she became friends with her. Or her mom, I should say. Uh, I ended up still was on the palm squad, but my friend's group was elsewhere. And I would not hang out with these girls. They, would, they were mean. Like, they would throw food at me. They would uh, break into my locker and pour Powerade in it, in my backpack and on my books. Um, they spread rumors. Uh, they took that I slept with this football player to a whole nother level by telling everyone that I slept with all the football players. So I would get harassed walking through the hallways. Um, and I was a virgin. I've never done it before. Um, and I told my mother about these things, did nothing about it. She's, oh, she, she would never do anything like that. She's so sweet. She's so kind. It must be you. You like, she would never do that. Uh, why can't you be more like her? Um, one time this girl was drunk. It was summertime and she was at the pool. And my friends, my group of friends were in my hot tub area. And these other kids were on the other side of the pool being crazy. They were drinking. Well, apparently she went home and got caught being wasted and told her mom, I gave her the alcohol. <laughs> we weren't even hanging out, nor were we, we weren't drinking. They, they were drinking. We weren't even drinking. And I got grounded <laughs> and screamed at, and that, that, that particular person is still relevant to this day. She still just loves this girl. She went to her wedding um, when I was pregnant with my first child. I went to visit my mother, and my mom had pictures of her on her fridge. None of me. It, I mean, it's fine. It's- so with the way you were raised, the type of person your mom is, and how you're treated in high school by others, and your experience of uh, men back then, also your experience of parental alienation at that point, uh, what are the issues that you believe you had as far as uh, self-esteem? Um, are you a people pleaser or are you someone who lets things slide? Things, I guess things along those lines, like what are the things that are going? And then I guess w- what are your beliefs and relationships before we start talking about who uh, the story is about? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, could, I would, Thank you for reeling me back in because it's just so much. I could, that, that's a whole other enchilada to eat because, yeah, it's, I think I was more rebellious, right? I don't think I was a people pleaser. I think there was more of the let things slide because I just didn't know. I didn't know that 
the things that I was letting slide was even things I was just letting slide. I didn't know that if it made me feel bad, that it was bad. Because I had just grown up in that environment of like feeling shitty and and like violated. And that was normal for me to be put down, belittled, and, and violated. Like, and basically, I put my value in other people, even friends. I put my value in that, in how they viewed me. So I guess I was a people pleaser. <laughs> um, well, I guess what was, like, if you were to look, like, deep down inside you what was i guess the thing you wanted most i really really wanted someone to see me and see that i wasn't what my mom said i was and i desperately wanted to have a real connection with other people that wasn't one in which you had to win their affection. I wanted to have a connection that was in a lot of ways unconditional. So eventually you start dating people when you get older and you run into um, in your long-term relationships uh, unsavory types maybe is the best way to put it, but you also date people that might be good for you, yes. but those don't last long. So what's your thought process with those people that actually might be good for you? Because they weren't love bombing me. I thought they weren't interested because the, the trajectory of the relationship wasn't going at like rocket speed. I assumed that they just were on interested in me but for the most part what would get me into longer term relationships is the people that kept showing up didn't matter what they did to me it didn't matter at all if they pursued me and they showed up it was good and I I lost myself a lot so eventually you end up meeting the person that this story is about. So I guess start at the beginning where all of this begins. So when I met this person, that this whole story is actually really about, he was different in the way that he was quiet. He was mysterious. He was calm because everyone I had been with up to that point was incredibly extroverted wild they were hyper they were into a bunch of things they had just a, like loud personality so when I met this person I was immediately like oh wow I, I've never really like gotten close to someone who is keep to themselves. I know I was very 
keep to myself. I grew up by myself. And we started to get to know each other. So I met him at my job. And we started working at the same place around the same time. He would go outside and smoke a cigarette. And I would, like, go out there, too, and and try to strike up conversation. And he sometimes would be a little dismissive with me. Like, but when he would communicate back to me, we would connect. And we would connect over bands that we liked. Like, it, he would have a T-shirt, like a band T-shirt on, and that would be my segue into a conversation i would be like yeah modest mouse huh huh yeah that's uh this is the band and then he would get excited and, you know we it was it, that's a it was a slow slow build up with this one um because because he just didn't seem interested after that you know that connection he wouldn't be like let me get your number let, let's hang out he wouldn't do any of that but i was so like used to um i almost was the one pursuing him uh well at least the relationship not like a boyfriend girlfriend relationship but i was definitely trying to pursue and getting to know him and getting him to open up and and to like talk to him so i ended up becoming like the manager of this place and i was told that after my training i could no longer hang out with the employees or talk to them really and this kind of kind of sucked a little bit because i had just moved back uh to colorado and all the people that i really hung out with and knew were the my coworkers. <laughs> so i was like crap <laughs> like okay all right like i'm trying to build up in this company i love the company so the last day of my training so line cooks were having like a party. You should come. It's your last day. And that's like, I don't know. I don't know. But then I, I heard that it was at his house. Like his brother was the outgoing type. Party guy. Always talking to the other people. And, and, and then this person, the one that I, I ended up with, was quiet. and wouldn't, wasn't involved. Found out it was at his house. So I was like, yes, I'll go. Sure. So I went there and we were drinking. I, I had never seen him drink before, but he definitely was more talkative and making jokes and being flirty with me for the first time. But he has never flirted with me. We've connected and we've gotten to know each other and we've recognized that we have similarities in enjoying um, poets and books. Um, movies, uh, outdoorsy, camping, nature, sort of things. So when he started flirting with me, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. What is happening? And I, I got swept up in it. He ended up hooking up. And in the morning, I realized I fucked up. I had a boyfriend. Um, I had someone that I was seeing for just a few months. I wasn't really the happiest with this person. We were not similar at all, but 
kept showing up and I kept trying. Um, see, this is, this is exactly why this is not okay. You have to show up and say, I don't like that. Like, sir, I don't like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> sir, please stop making me five CDs with hours worth of Grateful Dead. Sir, please don't take me to a Grateful Dead show on my birthday when you get me a Grateful Dead t-shirt and a Grateful Dead bracelet. Please, sir, stop serenading me Grateful Dead songs. Could we please not do Grateful Dead puzzles? Is there anything else on this planet that you enjoy besides the Grateful Dead? It was that level. And I was trying, right? I was. I was trying. But long story short, I woke up the next morning and went, fuck. Um... I immediately called this person, my Grateful Dead person. And I, I, I said, meet me here for lunch. He met me there 11 a.m. Next day, like just hours later, I was like, I, it's not working. I can't, we are not together. I can't be with you. I don't want to do this. You're grateful. But dead to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then I immediately called uh, this person that I, from my job that I hooked up with, and I told him what happened. I was also very uncomfortable and shame. I was feeling a lot of shame because that's just, it's not cool. It's not cool to, to, to put the other person in that position as well. Right? It's not cool on both ends, not fair. So I had to go and tell him immediately. And I also said, I really understand if you do not want to pursue a relationship with me or you at any point think that you don't trust me or can't because I understand how this relationship has now started. I expressed to him that it wasn't my way of trying to get out of a relationship with him, that I very much was interested in him and enjoyed him. And the reason why I even did what I did was because of how much I felt like that person was significant to me and, and different in so many ways, but like important. And I just kind of felt that. And I told him, but I get it. And I don't want you to live in a suspicious way with me. And he said, I do want to try things with you. And we agreed that I would be reassuring whenever I could. And I did. I did it frequently. Um, hot and heavy. <laughs> Getting part of that relationship. Lots of poetry. Lots of sex. Lots of that romantic shit that didn't happen in the beginning, but now it was. Oh man, we had deep conversations under the stars, opened up to me about his family background, which was tumultuous and kind of made me feel like I Simply was similar in that, not the way that things happened for him, but the way that he felt during his upbringing. I was like, we really, I really connected with him deeply and emotionally then and there. He would take care of me if I got sick in the 
exact ways that my mom would. My mom was really good at taking care of me when I would get sick. Like, really good. Running me baths, brushing my hair, shit like that. Buying me candy, making me my favorite foods. Like, just, my mom was so good at that. And he did the same thing, and it just was like, it deeply comforted me. So is it fair to say that when you did get the piece of your mom that you did want, it was that version of your mom? Yes. And now that's the version of your mom you always wanted. And in the same way, um, as a child growing up, that is in comparison to like what happens in a relationship where that's the person you get immediately right away. And then you're harking back on, you have that feeling of, I know my mom or my partner can show up in this way, but they're not doing it anymore, but you're grabbing onto that thing and in a way reliving or you're being seen the way you want to be seen. It's filling that hole that was uh, created by your mom um, or that one piece, that missing piece inside you that you're looking for externally is now being filled by this person. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, that was, sorry. Um, You got me. I'm sorry. I'm processing some things right now. So like, what we were talking about earlier, maybe is a good time to explain. I'm still unpacking a lot of things that I went through and processing that. Wow. Whenever my mother would do that, that never earned or had to work for. Sure, I was sick, but like I couldn't make myself sick. I mean, I guess I could have, but that would have been crazy. I never did that. Um, Wow, I'm glad I didn't think of that as a kid. (laughs) It was like I was receiving that unconditional love. So when this person did that, I've never had that with any other person at that point. Not to that level. And I know now that a lot of us, we we pick our partners a lot because of familiarity and comfort because we've learned how to live that way. When we were younger, our brains are forming and we're learning how to handle our emotions. When we go through these situations with people, we learn how to adapt and be okay with them. Even if it really, really hurts. But these sort of things that happen to children get normalized in their minds. That you have to break it. It. I think. I think why you train wrecked me a little bit is because I just realized for the first time that that was what I was addicted to. I literally was just unpacking that in my mind. Because I flashed forward throughout the years that I knew this person, and I realized that I always came back 
when I was sick. I did. And he loved it. <laughs> he did. Oh, it was horrible. I, even if I didn't actually come back, in my mind, I would almost compare it to that and long for that. But I miss it. I would like, I would go, I am not going to give him the wrong impression. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll loop back to that one because it'll become relevant for sure. So you process like uh, the infidelity. You do all the explanations. How does your relationship move forward from there? There were instances where I did reassure him and it was no problem to me because I was like, no, you deserve that. You know, I put this doubt in your mind and I'm here to reassure you that it didn't ever bother me in the beginning, the suspicious behaviors. Like, we worked at the same place. And he knew sort of the schedule consistency. And if I was even five minutes late, you'd be already anxious, already like, so why are you, like, as soon as I would walk in the door, it wouldn't be hey, how was work? It would be, oh, hey, so why why are you uh, running a little late? Were you hanging behind talking to someone? Like, it would be in the sarcastic way of, I could tell it's bothered him, but he's not being direct. Later in the conversation, he would start being more direct, but that's how he'd bring it up. It would be in this, like... In, in a way where he's probing... To find yeah. out your movements, and it was more about control and less about concern. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. And I understood that. And it didn't bother me. And I didn't view it as him being controlling. I viewed it as I put him in this position to feel this way. And he deserves to have an explanation and be reassured and it didn't bother me to give it I freely willingly would give it I felt I felt pretty quickly that I fucked up did something shitty and I felt pretty quickly that I was on the path of forgiving myself like even now like even now I still struggle with being like, no, he, he was justified. Like, even now, I still think that, but we will find out later that he was like this previously, too. It wasn't actually exclusive with me and, our, and what happened. It was just used as, as an excuse to do what happened. But, but even now, knowing that, I still think that it was justified. Like, that, in my, in my mind, I felt like I deserved I still feel because of the way that things, because of what I did. Like that was a consequence of my actions. So um, eventually you have a baby, but before you have a baby with this person, what are other things that are going on within your relationship that are 
tactics being used to maybe uh, devalue who you are, dehumanize you, things along those lines. Um, and he does he have uh, does he does he have other behaviors that are uh, what's the best way to put it impulsive? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, because <laughs> I was thinking, like, did he devalue me? But like, he did. He would constantly put me down for my character because he would tell me, like, you're a whore. He wouldn't believe me. I got off work. He got to a point I, I was showing him my clockout slips regularly. Uh, one time, I. So I think I should put in now because it's very important. When I got pregnant, I got pregnant a month into our relationship. Yeah. I was not on birth control. And I told him this. And we were not using condoms, obviously. Well, not obviously. Sometimes there's, there's things that happen even with wearing condoms. But um, I got pregnant. And I was 24. He was 24. He was very supportive, excited. I was freaking out. <laughs> I, was, I was freaking out. I was absolutely freaking out. My mom was so excited. She was so excited. She, I, I expressed to her that I don't think I want this. I don't know this person. Like, I don't know i i know i like i'm so infatuated with this person at this point it's still like all hot and heavy and it was romantic we were still connecting about uh common hobbies interests we were still connect- like, it was still in the honeymoon phase right like it was still in the honeymoon phase so having the support of my mother and and his mom huh? and his stepdad were excited too and I, I i i remember thinking why is everyone so incredibly supportive of me having a baby with someone that i've only known i knew him for less than a year at that point and i I knew him for several months before we started dating, but not that well, right? He was very reserved. He kept himself and mysterious. So I just thought it was so bizarre. Like, why is everyone so supportive of this? And then I just kind of came to the uh, conclusion, clearly, because I had a child, but I came to the conclusion with myself that I was an adult. He was an adult. And if worse things came to happen, then I would be a single mom. And I was raised in a single mom environment, so I knew how to do it. So in my mind, my, like, I had a backup plan that was more than enough for me to be comfortable moving forward with making this happen and making it work with and and basically starting a family with someone I didn't know. Like, I literally justified this in my head by thinking about other people who have been in um, arranged marriages. Some, some, some of them love each other so much. I remember um, hearing about that. I knew that some of them did not love each other. 
but I just, in my mind, I was like, but I, I know I love him or like, I thought I loved him. I thought I cared for him so much. Like I did change so much about myself to accommodate him. And in return, he loved me and took care of me. And, and sometimes he would apologize too for the being suspicious and accusing me of shitty things. Well, there are a couple of things that happened while I was pregnant that were, that's when things started getting really actually strange. Um, I was pregnant and I was at work for 13 hours and it was an incredibly long day. I was a ser- I was a server. So I was like managing and then also serving because I was like, at that point, I kind of gave up the whole management thing because they wanted to move me to a different state. And I was not about that being pregnant and trying to do this. So I'm at work for about 13 hours, super long, double open to close type of thing, which is like intense. So I come home by this point, he no longer works there. He left because here's what happened. Somebody else was working with him. And that person didn't get along with the manager because the manager was rude to that other person. He was. He didn't like that other person. He thought he was dumb. I remember this. He would belittle him. And that other person was like, screw this. I quit. And my person said, yeah, I'm with him and quit too. (laughs) And I was pregnant. And I was like, what? Excuse me. Come again. Huh? Why? Would, okay, all right, no, I get it. Like, do your stance. Do what you need to do. Yeah, stick up stick up for your man. Like, k- kudos for you. Like, bravery. Like, wow. Like, But, you know, let's... I was stressed. I was stressed. So I worked 13 hours. And I come home, and he is high as hell playing World of Warcraft, his other lover, if you, if you will. <laughs> And he immediately goes into, who were you with? I was like pretty pregnant at this point and I was just working for 13 hours. And the first thing that I met with is, who were you with? And I know where this is going. And I have no idea how the obvious isn't enough for him. But I'm going with it and I'm explaining to him that I worked 13 hours. He says, oh, There's no way that they would make a pregnant girl work that long. There's no way. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Fine, call them. No, they're in on it. Okay. Here's my clock out slip. Oh, that can be altered. You were management. You know how to do that. Okay. I'm like really tired and I'm covered in sauce. And I don't really know how to, I don't know how. And I just kind of shut down. I mean, he was going at me for being, he was calling me names in front of his friends. He had people there, like his brother was there and a couple other people from his brother's other job. And he's just, they're playing their game, smoking weed. And I'm, I'm coming through the door and he's just like, I don't believe you. You're a whore. You can't get enough of that dick. Like, and I don't fight back I stopped trying to prove it because I got I just went through all the things that I knew how to to prove myself with and it wasn't enough and I just didn't care not 
doing this. And he just kept going and going and going and like followed me into bedroom to continue to go. And I just, I didn't give him anything and and, and that didn't go any further. Um, but fuck that shows me what things are going to be like in the future. Uh, cause he uh, does end up keep going several times. Um, then I got an infection where I was hospitalized while I was pregnant. This is not too long after that. And I was taken out of work. I was at, well, I was asked to not work anymore and put on bed rest. And that whole time he was super coddling me, like changing my wound dressing and taking care of all of the packing that we had to do because we were actually moving during this time also. (laughs) So he did all of this. It was just, it was great. It was wonderful. Things went back to like the normal sweet phase. It was just loving all the time. We had like a, a baby shower goodbye party that he organized and it was just so sweet and thoughtful and kind um, but then there was another time during this time, it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> Planned this whole beautiful day for us. Like, the sweetest thing takes us to kind of a place like where I'm at now. This nice trail, boulders, a creek, and, and packs us. Um, lunch that he made and non-alcoholic wine and got me like a fake little ring. Um, And then at the end of the date, he was like, well, hey, why don't we just go back home and have dinner instead of going out? I know you really wanted to go out, but I think that, you know, we should just go back and have dinner at home. And I was like, okay, that's fine. He goes, I ran out of my budget or I ran out of my money for the day. And I go, okay, that's no problem. That's no problem. I was like, that, oh, that happens. Like, you went all out. I get it. Uh, <laughs> later that day, I would find out that what he meant by I ran out of funds is I ran out of money completely. Completely. He spent every cent on a giant teddy bear and a picnic basket that never got used again and I I didn't react with happiness I reacted with what why what why would you do wait I, I don't need this stuff like you know that I'm not materialistic person I appreciate this but like I would have been maybe even more like happy with like a poem that you just like wrote me like he knew that the simple things actually mattered more to me like at this time he never really love bombed me and I expressed my disdain for great showy moves like at that point in my life I was just like ugh, okay 
like if someone showed up with a dozen ro- like a dozen two dozen roses again i would just be like ew no like what is this what is this because i'm beautiful no so like he, he he knew that i didn't need that grand gesture stuff and when i found out that he had spent every single dollar that he had while also not having a job and we're about to move across the country it was shocking and i reacted that way and he was like wow you're so fucking ungrateful and it hurt because i was like i am grateful you're right I do appreciate everything that you did, but I really, really desperately need you to understand that, like, I am fucking pregnant. <laughs> and we're moving. And I'm the only one working. And I'm on, like, level 10 anxiety of what are we going to do? What is our plan? How are we going to do this? We had nothing going. Like, I seemed to be the only one at that time that was like thinking of the future, (laughs) like where we're going to live, where, why, how we're going to raise a child, uh, saving money, planning the move, cleaning the stuff to get ready for the move. Like, so, you know, he's playing a lot of world of Warcraft things along those lines. You're getting harassed by him. Um, when you have a long shift, um, his insecurities are showing up. Are there any other things that are happening uh, within that time while you're pregnant uh, and while you have the first child after the child is born? Is he helping taking care of things? And also in there, he's also uh, impulsive and not great with money. Yes, so there was one other thing that was pretty big that I I did, I think, needs to be mentioned. I, I found out that he was an internet troll. Like, the mean kind. Like, the kind that tell people to hurt themselves on purpose and think it's funny. When I confronted him about that, he was, I just thought it was so not okay. And that's when he told me that he does this all the time. He enjoys telling people how stupid they are, basically, and getting into arguments with strangers on the internet and attacking them, Um, like going to their profile and being like, you're really fat, your kid is ugly. Um you should kill yourself. Like, and I'm like, that's when he told me this, I was like, that's not, that's not okay. You don't know these people. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know how they feel. You don't know. Cause he was, well, I don't know who they are. They don't know who I am. It was, it was almost like they didn't matter. Like how they felt just, it didn't matter because he, in his mind was just, uh, troll on the internet a faceless person 
when you think about trolling, because trolling is the person who's doing it is getting something from it. The reaction that is happening is giving them a source of fuel in a, in, in a way. So when you look at people who do trolling and like the reasons why they do it, if it's an innocent one or, or a vicious one, they're getting a feeling. And that sometimes when those people are in relationships with someone um, and when they do things that could be vicious or underhanded, that's uh, technically it's probably the same type of feeling that they're getting from it. And they're, they're able to... Con- manipulate or control someone's um, or get the desired reaction that they want to get from it. And that is probably satisfying for them that their stimuli got X reaction and them being correct on that as well probably gives them this feeling of superiority that they are a um, puppet master of sorts. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I didn't really even think of that um, at the time. I was like, "Why? Why are you not considering how this other person is feeling?" Like to me, I was just like, I was really taken back by that. Um, I think I, I really do. I think I just disassociated from that, like when I didn't see it happen again, because I wasn't online with him. I didn't see these things that he was just telling me that he did these things that I didn't see them firsthand. I would hear him talking about it. And I guess I disassociated from that. Cause I was just like, no, 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 he got, I, t- I talked the goodness into him. I put into perspective what he's doing to people. Maybe he didn't understand or see or get it. And now he does. And now he's not doing it anymore. I just didn't even like, I really just didn't think about it after that. It's, um, so I, okay. This is all like while I'm pregnant and I'm, I'm still getting to know him and all of this is happening. I was probably helping me disassociate from it because I was just like, no, nah, I'm pregnant. No, nah. nah, he's a good man. Cause he would be right. Sometimes. If he, if he hurt my feelings, I expressed to him that he hurt my feelings, he would overcompensate. Oh, I'm so sorry. I I wasn't thinking. And then be good for a week, two weeks. But then he would, he would just do it all over again. Like the same, the same exact thing that happened. And it would be explained away by like, oh, I just forget. Oh, it doesn't change overnight. It can't change overnight. And I'm like, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes to change behaviors does take work. So I was constantly like, you're right. No, you're. I see you progress. Like in my mind, him admitting it. Because my mom would never admit. Ever, 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 ever. One time I offered, I asked actually if we could do family counseling. And she asked me as a response if I was on drugs. I don't need therapy. You need therapy. And we're not ever doing family counseling. Why would we do that? That's a stupid, you must be on drugs to even. So like for me, when he would admit and, and acknowledge, it was like hope, like things were changing. And I was still like in my mind justifying that, that he was within his rights, 
to be suspicious of me. Um, so I have the baby and babies need to be fed, breastfed. My mom does that. Do a lot of the taking care of diaper changes in the middle of the night, feedings. He was also working a whole bunch. So I was alone during the day. We lived with my mom, by the way. We moved in with her. She offered super supportive, right? The whole time, super supportive. And then when, um, when we decided that we couldn't afford to live in Colorado, she had offered to have us come and stay with her as like a segue into getting our own house and, and moving out. And I was like, cool, like we could have no rent and, and save and have extra help with from my mom. Um, he would be at work. He would come home. And he would immediately, like he wouldn't even come inside sometimes and immediately call one of his brothers and stay outside for hours on the phone. And I, I, it hurt because like, you haven't seen your, like, we just had a baby. This baby is your baby. We were really excited about it, right? We were all so, so excited about this. And now he's here and it's like, you came, he would come home and he would have nothing to do with us. He would just have nothing to do with us. And, 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 uh, I remember going outside to like confront him over this and he was outside smoking weed. And I was like, where, like, how did you even get that here? We have only, we haven't even been in this new state for three weeks, four weeks. And you already have a, a person you're buying drugs from. Like, I know that we smoked before, but, like, you don't know these people. You don't know where they're getting it. And also, um, we just had a baby. And we're on food stamps, for crying out loud. Like, why? I just didn't understand, like, why he was avoiding us and spending the money that he would make on weed, (laughs) So eventually you were at odds with your mom and she had her own feelings about your partner, but because of your history with you and your mom, as you told me before we started, uh, you two, you know, not just didn't get along in your later years, uh, there was physical violence in your later teenage years. So you, um, chose him uh, to do the story about, but you also chose him in this moment. And even though his behavior was not great, um, you know, he was also really also suspicious of your mom and taking your child. So you end up moving with him uh, again. And we ended up moving here, where we are now, where his family is, his whole family, mother, stepdad, uh, three brothers, and stepdad's family. They're all very close. And 
when we got here, we were close again. Like he, his relationship and mine really tightened between what my mom was doing to us. And then him, it's, it was almost like he believed me finally that I wasn't trying to conspire with my mom. And he was on my team and worked together with me. I mean, that, that move was great. It was actually one of the best memories I've had of, of being with him. We traveled across the country with baby and it was smooth and fun and, and, and great. The whole 20 hour trip was great. Then we got here and the first couple of weeks were awesome too. It was just us spending time together, no troubles, no accusations, like beautiful here. I had never been here before and I was exploring. We were going on a lot of walks and it was just really peaceful. Like it felt, it felt good. Um, I ended up getting a job, got a job at this like really eclectic bar restaurant, mom and pop owned everything up here is mom and pop owned, but it was just around the corner. And I was so excited. had a view of Lake Ontario. It was beautiful. And like the people that worked there were a lot of fun. They did uh, a lot of fun events like trivia and karaoke nights. And I was like, Hey, I, I want to go up there for a trivia for, you know, I want to like hang out with people up there. And he's like, okay, yeah, like go. It was the first time that I had actually left and he had stayed home with baby, um, where I wasn't working. And this was only like a week or two after I had started this job. When I got there, all of the employees had already left. Well, like there was one server left, but she was super busy. So I was under the impression that there was going to be other employees there staying behind and playing trivia, but that just wasn't the case that day. They had done that before, but it wasn't that day. And I did recognize a group of firefighters from across the street who always came in, they were regulars, everyone knew them and they recognized me and they were like, Hey, you can come and sit with us. So I did. I, I, I was like, sure. Like it, in my mind it was no problem. I went home. I had a great night. It was so much fun. It was, I just, I, it was so much fun. And I got home and he was like, how'd it go? I was like, it went well, except I, you know, I told him when I got there, my coworkers, most of them had already left. And the one person who was still there was, was really busy. She was the only server. And so she was taking care of all the tables and he was like, oh, well, well, who, who'd you stay with then? Why'd you stay? And I was like, well, I, I saw a group of regulars. Oh yeah. Who were they? Well, it was the firefighters. Oh, so there are a lot of men. I was like, well, they're firefighters. So yeah, they were actually kind of all men. Not that women can't be firefighters, but they, they were all men. And he gave me the silent treatment. He stopped helping with baby. Completely. He started drinking a whole lot. So he is ignoring me, spending all of his time on the computer, like ignoring me in a way I'll explain that. So he would be on the computer doing his game and I would come in and I would say something to him and he wouldn't respond. 
as if he had headphones on that were noise canceling and he didn't hear me at all but he didn't have headphones on he heard me for sure but he would not respond and i would have to say it again thinking maybe maybe he didn't hear me and he wouldn't respond and then i would say it again and he would snap at me and be like i heard you and so i'd just kind of be like okay um sometimes i would say why didn't you say anything and he would tell me that he did and i would say uh, you didn't it really actually didn't and he's like no but i actually did and i'm like mm, okay okay <laughs> like well, i don't know what to say um whew. no <laughs> that was not fun uh as far as my job went and that when I went, told him that it was a bunch of guys, I would try to go and, and like do that again, go to the back to my job and hang out with the employees to get to like know who I worked with. But every time I did, like he would say, yeah, go. Right. Cause I have to ask him like, Hey, cause we have baby. You can't just be like, well, I'm leaving. Like I would be like, Hey, is it okay if I go? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. And I would get ready. And if I'm, I, I would be getting ready and I'd be putting on makeup and he would walk into the room and be like, wow, you really are getting all dolled up. Or uh, I would finish getting ready and put on a pair of heels. He's also my height, so I never wore heels around him. He expressed not liking that too much, but I loved heels, boots, heel boots, booty heels, whatever. And he would comment, like, oh, you're putting on the heels. Are we trying to impress somebody? Like, I got to a point where I just, it was too much. I just, it wasn't worth it. Like, I had his voice in my head before I'd even leave the house. So, eventually you get pregnant again. So, what happened there? So, ha. Huh. Our relationship was not really loving after we moved here and I got that job. It was like after that trivia moment, he started to be convinced by every everything, everyone. I started to have to do the same things that I did in the previous location with showing him my clock out slits and... He he actually was messaging my coworkers. Um, yeah, anyone that I would hang out with, he would message them and, and grill them. Like, were you were you here at this time? Were you really there at this time? Um, I don't think I should be dealing with that anymore. I thought at that point, when is it enough? When is it going to be enough? Showing you where I am. Proving it to you. When is it ever going? Like, it's at some point, I I reached a point where I was like, you know me now. And I started getting worse, not better. It was like, the where are you's, where were you's got more intense. And, And I didn't, like, I started to recognize that that wasn't, I didn't deserve that. That me being loyal, being mindful of his feelings with what I'm wearing 
should have been enough for him. But in whatever reason, it made him escalate. Worse. More more suspicious? I didn't ever understand why he became more suspicious. Because I hadn't given him anything to be more suspicious of me. So I started pushing back. And that was because I recognized, it's literally because I recognized in those sexual situations that I was not, was not comfortable being sexual with him. And it start, I started to say no. I started to, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the mood right now. And it would turn into, oh, you must not love me. You must be getting it from someone else. (laughs) Which would put it in my head, like, well, you've had sex with him before. You really didn't want to. And now you could again to prevent him from using the fact that you're not as an excuse to justify him blaming, not blaming, but accusing you of of doing something you know you're not doing. Like, in my mind, having sex with him was a way to prove myself, my, like, self, right? And sometimes I would do it. But sometimes I would stick on my ground and I would get berated. Berated. Berated to the point that he was charging me and I was hiding behind doors and he was breaking them down. I mean, literally broke the door off of its hinges because he demanded to know who it was I was seeing. Who is it? Right. Because it must be someone. Well, six months, I think, is how long I was able to not have any sexual encounter with him. And then I, my myself, I I myself got a little like eh, hot and bothered. Um, and we weren't doing bad at that time. So I, I made a move and he was stoked about it. Um, for a really long time, he claimed that he didn't finish, reach a climactic experience, orgasm. Um, I'm here to say he did because I got pregnant. And uh, he was immediately like, nope, not my baby. It's not mine. And I was floored. (laughs) I remember being so shocked that I made a joke about it. I I I told him, I said, if this is not your baby, then you should be so happy because we're going to be so rich because I'm going to go on Oprah 
since I'm the new mother Mary, having a, a virgin child, I literally, because I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. And and I was trying, you know, thank you for, for the, the giggle because that because I was just so floored. I didn't know. I was like, what? And I was trying to like make it even a realistic, like even even if we got a paternity test and in and it says you are not the father, then and then I was trying to explain like then we would be wealthy people and you should still be excited. Like either way you should be stoked. Um no. <laughs> No, no, the, the the whole time that I went through that pregnancy, it was him tenfold everything. Why are you wearing that? Why is, I would get a text message. I was afraid for my phone to go off because if I got any sort of notification, lots of the time it was, it was, uh, my mother, who likes to send one-word text messages, which is hilariously awful. Um, but even when I would show him, it's my mom, he would still be, like, triggered and irate. Like, sure, it's your mom. You must have just changed the name in your phone. Uh, nothing. Nothing I ever showed him. No evidence I ever get. I, I never had my phone locked. Ever. I never had a lock on my phone. And he would go through my stuff. He would go through my drawers. He would go through my closet. He would go through my purse. And he and if and if he ever got so irate over something and confronted me about it, and I would say, like, you definitely went through my stuff, right? He would he would have some reason for having done so. Like and it wasn't, it didn't have to do with me and never, he would never admit to like snooping. Um, one time I actually caught him with my phone in his hand. Like I stood just out of view and watched this person scroll through my phone. Then I was like, what are you doing? And he, I'm not doing anything. Hides his phone. I'm not doing anything. I just saw you with my phone. You were going through my phone. I wasn't going through your phone. Um, you were, <laughs> Because I watched you go through my phone. Dead eyes, staring me in the face, no blinking. I wasn't going through your phone. You're making things up. And then I would have to, like, reach behind his back and grab my phone physically out of his hand and show him to his face my phone that I grabbed out of his hand. And then he would back down. And then he would be like, oh, oh, yeah, I, uh, I saw your phone. I saw your phone and, and I was going to bring it to you. Like, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't tell, he would just not admit it. Um, oh, one time, actually, this, this, this story sucks. I was pregnant, um, second child. And I came home from work like three o'clock in the morning and he was in the kitchen completely drunk with two people I had never met before. Also smoking weed 
And I said, what are you doing? Our one-year-old child is just across the hall. And you guys are being super loud. And our landlord lives downstairs. Like, what, what, like, please, can you be quiet? Oh, he didn't like that. He's charged me down the hallway, past our child's door, screaming at me. You're a fucking whore. You weren't at work. Um, his friends that he had were just heads down, not saying a word. Uh, he threw me to the bed and said that wasn't his fucking child and he wanted nothing to do with them, with the baby or me. I was crying and he didn't stop. His friends ended up coming into the room and being like, Hey, I think we're just going to head out. And I'm crying on the bed. Every time I try to sit up, he like lunges at me fists, like get back down. You're going to listen to me telling me what a piece of shit I am. I ended up calling his mom scared because he would leave the room and I'd get up and he'd storm back in. Like, where the fuck do you think you're going? Called his mom, told her what was going on. She came, picked us up, screamed at him for being drunk. He was crying. Um, and that was when I really was just like, nah, I can't be with this person. Like I knew I was going to, I was going to, we were going to break up. Um, but I think I, I waited until after our second son was born. Cause I kind of hoped that, he would like see like little that's my baby and maybe like stop right like, hopefully maybe but it didn't because after our son was born he didn't have anything to do with that baby every feeding was me every diaper change was me and his mom also didn't come and visit the baby uh, she visited when he was born and then lived 10 minutes away but never came and I took both kids and myself to all of my postpartum appointments. I had a C-section. Um, yeah, it was, it was intense. And so I, I, uh, I took a couple of months to decide. I started planning out a little bit how I would financially sustain myself. And then... I made the move and he didn't take it well. <laughs> yeah. Beginning of the end. I, uh, when I realized that it, that it was done, I was done. I, I realized this because up until this point, I had just been taking it and nobody else was affected. I could just take it and take it and take it and take it. And I was taking it. Heck, I even thought I deserved it. But then I realized that my son was going to be at an age where he was going to start seeing it too and understanding. And I absolutely refused to let him be subjected to that. Because even though I was okay, I knew that I wasn't okay with him being around that. So I knew I had to get, I knew I had to get out and I was freaking scared. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. 
and I broke up with him and he refused to leave. He kept putting it off, saying he didn't have anywhere to go. So, so my name was the only one on the lease because of his background with getting evicted and having bad credit. And my name was the only one on the lease. So, and he had family and friends in the area and I still really didn't know anybody. So we had decided that he would move out, but it was always something, some reason why he wasn't moving out. I don't have anyone to move in with yet, or I found someone, but it's going to be a few weeks because there's somebody who's, they still live there to that fell through. And so like he stayed, but the whole time he was there, he was refusing to help pay rent refusing to clean and uh, I would come home and there would be no clean, like no clean dishes. Like they'd all be in the sink, all of them. And I would be like, why? And he would say, well, it's not my house. It's not my responsibility. He would never did the laundry. He never even did his laundry. Um, and I put up with it for a little while. But then he started verbally harassing me as well. And I was like, no. Nah. No. Nah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay for everything. Clean up after you. And be verbally harassed. We're not together. I'm not gonna do it. And I ended up getting him, convincing him to move in with his mom, who wasn't happy about that. It happened. Um, during that time is when custody started, which is a nightmare from hell. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There was one specific incident that happened that, that began all of this because of until then, we weren't even talking about custody or getting consideration. Uh, after he had moved out, he got wasted, wasted. Ended up calling me at three o'clock in the morning saying he was on my front porch. That his friends ditched him and he didn't have anywhere to go. And it was winter time here. And I, he just wanted to sleep on the couch. And so I was like, all right, fine. So I let him in, went to bed. I was hissing drunk. I woke up to this man trying to take my keys and my car. And I said, no, you were not taking my car. You were drunk still. I could see it. You literally threw up like 10 minutes ago. And you don't have a license. No. He got so mad at me. He took my car keys and threw them at me and storms out of the house. At this point, I had realized that I might need to get a restraining order. It had been recommended to me. And I was getting myself ready and I was getting my kids ready to go to the court to file for one. And then 
my doorbell rings. And it's his mom. And him. As soon as I open the door, she's screaming at me. How dare you put the kids in danger? What's wrong with you? You need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was like, what are you talking about? Finger in my face, screaming, saying, you have an alcohol problem. You, you, we're taking the kids. And I was like, you know, you're not. You, I'm not like crying, actually. Like, I'm saying this calmly to you, but I was fucking crying because I was like, literally smell him. <laughs> smell him. Who do you th- He showed up at my house wasted. And I'm telling her this. She's not listening. She's just grabbing the bag, packing kids stuff up. And I call the police. I call the police. And I'm like, this is what's going on. Like, this is insane. I I wanted a police report. Like, this is, you can't just like show up at my house, accuse me of doing something I'm not doing and take my kids. Oh, but they can. This is what I find out when police get here. They separate us all and they talk to us individually. Explain to them we're not together. Explain to them he showed up here last night drunk. Tried to leave with my my keys in my car. I said no. And the next thing I know, here they are. And the police officer asked me, like, do you have a custody agreement? And I was like, no. And he goes, well... (laughs) They can take them. Why is nothing legally we can do to stop them? Except for a custody agreement. So I'm like, oh. So they took my kids. And then filed for an emergency uh, custody. The parent, the, His parents filed for emergency custody of my of my kids what was their reasoning of like uh what was wrong with you oh because of the state of the house that his son right their son destroyed <laughs> like the sink both dishes down the clothes just like just disorganized and dirtiness they tried to say that it was an unsafe environment also because we were fighting. <laughs> right. And I get that. And like his mom called me and told me that she was going to do this and convinced me that it was because she was afraid that CPS was going to get involved because of the state of the apartment. And I, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. No, great, great thinking, great thinking. I had no idea, no idea, because because like she had come to rescue me the more than once, more than once in the middle of the night. He had admitted to her that he had hit me before. She knew, they knew. So when she said this to me, I I believed her, believed that she was just trying to protect the kids. She was just and and I let this happen. So the custody's open. Right, because they just have temporary custody, and now we are forced to come up with a custody agreement. And every single structure 
Sorry. Every 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 single. <laughs> you go. Hugo. Hugo. Hugo was a good movie. Yes, yeah. it really was. Um, every single structure that I would come up with, he would no. It didn't matter. It was no. I took into consideration him working. I took into consideration the fact that his parents, well, like his mom and, and her boyfriend, would would have to like drive him or be because he didn't have a car, he didn't have a license either. And I, I took into consideration everybody who would be involved, their schedules and where they needed to be. And, and every time I'd come up with something, it was no. It was just, an, it was like, at one point, I was working seven nights a week, closing down this restaurant that I worked at. We closed at 2 a.m., or, I'm sorry, we closed at 1 a.m. and then 2 a.m. on the weekends. But I was working as a closer every night, seven night, seven nights a week. It was insane. But then his his parents told me that it's the, they have custody, right? They have temporary custody. They told me that I had to come and pick my kids up after work every day. 3 a.m., Waking up an infant and a um, 15 month old. No, he was two, just about two, 3 a.m. every day. And sometimes they wouldn't go back to sleep. And I went like almost four days without sleeping and working and taking care of an infant by myself and a very young child by, my, by myself, but completely by myself. And I was doing it. And I hit, I hit a moment where I just knew I couldn't even drive myself to work, let alone drive these kids to their, to their house so that I could drive myself to work. I was like, no, I can't. I called in to work. They were like, okay. And then I called them and I said, please, please come and get them. Cause I knew I couldn't drive them, my kids. I knew I couldn't drive my kids to them. So even though I was off work, I still needed to get them to them if I wanted to have any rest. That was my my goal at the moment was I need to stop. I need to sleep. I need to take care of myself. I cannot keep doing it like this. And I, I called them and I begged and pleaded. And um, he hit the dad, the stepdad. He came to pick up my kid. They agreed. And I was so thankful. However, when he picked them up, he told me that I needed to get my shit together if I wanted to have my kids back and that it, I needed to pick a different job. Mind you, uh, his wife, so the paternal grandmother, is a server. She also does the same job I do. And he told me that it was pathetic and I didn't, I couldn't, I, I he told me that I needed to get a better job, essentially, that that it wasn't good enough what I did for for money and that that they were trying to teach me a lesson and they're trying to like show me that I couldn't do it by myself. 
in the state that I was in, like with the resources I had. I was like, it hurt. I just, I knew, I knew instantly. They just didn't give a shit about me. They didn't give a shit. Not a single shit. And I felt super alone. Fuck, I still do at times. But things have changed internally with me. But like, wow, back then, holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. Um, the mom and the, his mom and, and stepdad, um, they told me, they were like, you have to take the kids when we tell you to. Otherwise, it's going to look bad on you. I believe that. I still believe that. If you, as a parent who's going through custody, has have an opportunity to have your kids and you refuse it, it can absolutely be used against you. It, well, we gave her an opportunity to have visitation with the kids, but she decided not to. Like, that was just the reason why I went along with it, even though I just felt like it was wrong. But I told my, my lawyer about it, and she mentioned it in the court. And they go, well, we told her that. The, to the judge, they, we then, the ones making me come and get the child, judge reprimands them. I felt a little bit of justice. But their response was, we told her that to me. As in, like, we told her that it was wrong, but she insisted. So then I got reprimanded, <laughs> which was not fun. <laughs> Eventually, we come to an agreement, and that happens because the judge ordered we have a mediation where a person comes in and sits down with you and acts as a middleman or a referee to come to a conclusion. And then when we got in there, he was so agreeable. He was so, like, I'm just trying to work with her. I'm just trying to do what's best for the kids. Like, and I'm like, I was actually kind of getting a little heated because I'm like, nah, motherfucker. Like, that's not what it's been like this whole time. Like, we're only here because you refuse everything I say. Like, you keep denying us splitting. Like, you just refuse to accept any of this is occurring. But when we get into this mediation where there's a third party involved, he's just like, yeah, yeah, I totally, that, that schedule makes sense. So I was a little excited because we also, I was like, oh, I saw an opportunity. I was like, he's being really agreeable right now. Like, I don't even care that it's because of this other person in the room. I'm actually kind of going to like use this as an opportunity to put in like something that's beneficial. So, like, I got primary. I thought that was a really big win, victory, victorious. And it was, and it still is in a lot of ways. Um, after that, so I felt really, like, free with knowing that, like, we had a structure and it gave me peace knowing that because even if he was grading me down or going at me I would still have those several days that 
were mine for me to be a mom without having to have contact with him whatsoever. And I wouldn't, I'd block him. <laughs> He'd be so mad, but I don't care. I would block him. And it would be so, oh my gosh, so nice. I actually have the chills like thinking about it because it was like, I started cleaning out my house and rearranging everything. Like I moved everything out of a room and donated the things I didn't want to keep and then moved back into the room as like my own room or like, like got rid of, I just made it a home. Like it just wasn't like that art on the walls and shit and like doing stuff with my kids and not having this panic. Like I was constantly in anxiety and that went away. Like I felt like I could breathe. Like I could enjoy my time with my kids. So after like the custody had been established, I, he, he actually, he actually got kicked out of his mom's house for drinking he wasn't allowed to have alcohol in the house because his stepdad's a recovering alcoholic and he was hiding vodka bottles in the house and got kicked out. So he ended up moving a block away from me, which sucked because like he was 15, 20 minutes away at that point and without a car, but now he's a block away. So. Um, he would frequently show up at my house, drunk, looking to fight. And I would tell him to leave. Sometimes he would leave. One time he actually broke into my house because he came to confront me. And I was on my way out. And I was like, I'm not doing this right now. Like, I got to leave. Like, I'm leaving. Well, I'm um, getting a call from my landlord. Asking me what I'm doing upstairs. They live downstairs. I was like, well, I'm not there. So I don't know who's in my house. And she was like, oh, that's not you. And ended up going upstairs to confront them. Because we didn't know who was up there. Um, I think it's a little brave on her part, to be honest. Could have been not as quote safe person um by the time I got there though like so she went up there to confront him and he was actually on his way out and she knew him like she she had seen him before we moved in there together like so it wasn't like a huge confrontation between the two of them so he ended up just leaving <clears throat> well I came home and I went upstairs and he had taken all of the furniture and moved it away from the walls into the center of the room. All of the electric, anything that was plugged into the wall, like the um, fan, like a fan, the TV, all of the devices, the microwave, <laughs> the toaster, literally everything plugged into the walls and put them all in the center of my living room. And the food. He took the food out of the fridge and put that in in the pile as well. Oh, by the way, I had a restraining order that first time. I dropped it because his parents asked me to. They said it made it too difficult to switch the kids back and forth. <clears throat> okay, well, after this incident, I went and got another one. 
I did. I went and got another one. So that's documented, like, in, um, totally completely documented. Yeah. Fuck. I let it, I let it go. Like, I just kind of, like, became totally okay with the amount of crap he was sending my way. Like, I would drop the kids off and he would be calling me names. (laughs) As I'm driving away, he'd call me 20, 30 times, send me novels of text messages, telling me what piece of shit I am. And I was okay. Like, this didn't, it bothered me because I was like, you should be hanging out with my, like, you should be hanging out with the kids. You should be taking care of the kids. You should be parenting the kids, but you are spending all this time to harass me instead. Why? Like, that that was the extent it bothered me. Carry on with my life with this behavior. Years. So this was January 2018, 2019, slash to 2020, everyone's favorite year of change. We, uh, all restaurants shut down. And where I am, they were shut down for over a year. And if they did open, they were only open for a certain amount of time. I didn't know if I was going to be able to work because of custody. Because I don't have anyone to watch the kids during the day. And I had the children during the day. Because of my my job, the agreement was I would drop the kids off at 5.30 at night. Pick them up at 7 a.m. the next day. So that, that, that just didn't exist. Jobs did not exist for my availability. And he and I had spoken about him potentially moving in to help keep our son who is diagnosed with autism in a better school district and with the same therapies and um, teachers. It took between June, July, August, September to October for me to bite the bullet and say, okay, okay. He stopped paying for his apartment, which was like kind of my safety blanket and moved in the whole time he was great he was helpful he was helping me with things around my house that like were broken that I never got to and he would fix and it was just so nice he was respectful wasn't going through my things he gave me space he was just he was there with the kids I mean it was great I was really hopeful when he moved in then he made a move and I rejected him and it started all over again. All over again. Who is it? Every time my phone would go off, you're a whore. If, uh, uh, so you couldn't go anywhere, right? 2020. I would make a list of the things that we would need. Toiletries, groceries, shit like that. And then I would put it in order of where it was in the store. And then I would go and go up and down the aisle. So I wasn't like searching around the store for things. I knew where it was. It would still take me about three hours to complete this consistently. It took that time. But still every time he would call me over and over. Where are you? Where are you? Who are you with? Who are you really with? <clears throat> I was spending my own money. Unemployment, by the way. Not, not that much. Not, I mean, it was, it was a, 
beneficial, but, and I would come home with just $300 worth of toiletries and food and obviously like I was busy and it, and it was never uh, enough. He would say things in front of my kids. Like, I hope that dick was good. And I would be like, don't say stuff like that in front of my kids. He's like, why? It's true. And and I would just be like, it's it's not, though. Like, it's just not. And I ended up getting headphones to prevent him from following around and pushing me and poking at me and provoking me. Because he would. He would just say all these things until I would say something. Like, stop. And I had these headphones. Oh, and he hated it. But I loved it because I couldn't hear the snarky remarks that he would make under his breath at me that would normally get me going. But then he started to, like, find ways to get me to take the headphones off to hear him, like, hear him out. Something about the kids, like, something important, something legitimate. But then before I'd put the headphones on, he'd sneak in the fucking whore. (laughs) It's just right at this point, it's a pattern emerging there's a clear pattern emerging of of him cycling through previous tactics to gain control of me and failing and panic and switch between tactics rapidly like like really um for instance he would go the Something's wrong with me, route. I, I just, I have out-of-body experiences, and I really just need to get some help, route, right? I, I, what I've done to you is wrong, route. In the same week, it would turn into blackmail. I'm going to call and tell them that you have a new job, which was true. I didn't make enough to cover what I would miss. So, yeah. I mean, I was doing something that I I was nervous about doing, but it was a call that I was making. He caught wind and used that shit so hard. But he but he wasn't actually, like, helping financially. So I'm like, really? You would take food off the table of your kids. You would do that. I I called his bluff, but so I got nervous. Uh, he would quickly, quickly, like within the week, he would switch between all of these different things. Then he would switch back to, I just, you were just the one for me. You were just like the, the, I thought forever girl. And, uh, you're so amazing. And you're like, you're the best mom. And I'm so lucky to have you. And, and, then go to your your piece of shit. And it was shocked to silence. Just none of them worked. It was like, once I started seeing the, the same tactics emerge, none of them worked on me. And, and even though I have been immune to them, his like control of me has stuck. He's found 
he has found ways to keep me from being able to move on. He stopped doing the cleaning. He stopped doing the laundry. He stopped paying rent. I was able to cover, but only because I had a significant amount of money that I had saved up. Because when he wasn't here, I was doing pretty damn good for myself. I had budgets and, and schedules and like plans with the kids. I mean, we had the structure. And then when I refused to give him another chance, he said, it was, it was over. It was game over. It was like, well, we're going to take what we're due. <laughs> we're going to just take it. It just, that's what it feels like. It's like, well, if you're not going to, like, I came here to be taken care of and you're going to do it. When I guess you chose the hard way. Like, it feels like that. Because, like, going back to court isn't necessarily an option. But there are, there are grounds that you have to meet in order to gain full custody that I just don't meet. One of which is you have to have a support system. And that's something that I cannot, I can't even pay to meet that one. They used previously in the original time that I've had postpartum depression. I've been diagnosed with postpartum depression twice and was medicated for that. He never has gone to a site like psychologist or psychiatrist or anything for for mental health so they lean into that super hard the first time and it was used against me like that that was that was scary <laughs> like they they the way that they painted it the court was that I was unstable and they were watching me once it came to light that I had a previous history of of depression and had been medicated for it, they were like, oh, we need to watch her. We need to watch you now. We, we're, and it was just like kind of dehumanizing a little bit. Like, how am I being punished for getting help? And how are we rewarding someone who has expressed to me several times that he needs help? How are we going to reward someone for not? getting help how, how are we going to say that they're totally completely sane and fine when, because they haven't admitted it officially I mean, this, this person has told me about a shadow figure that's followed him around his whole life and that was terrifying but I'm unstable for having gone to a medical professional. And so that keeps me from reopening a case too. Uh, Childcare. Absolutely. It's a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month for childcare on uh, how? <laughs> what? Like, um, my mind sometimes can't wrap around it, all of the hurdles that are in place, and I shut down. I also feel 
like my kids are safest in this situation, in the setup, because I'm not dropping them off to him where he has total freedom to be as gross and unsafe as he wants regarding like having drugs in the house, alcohol. I used to drop my kids off and he would be wasted. And I would have no idea what to do. No clue. I had to go to work. I had no one else to take the kids to. I, I, in my mind, I didn't even know if I could because it was his legal time. Right? I didn't know. I still don't even know. Like, so I call the police. They call him. He's allowed to drink. I've been told that before. By the police. You're allowed to have drinks in your own home. Even if you're watching kids. Like, there's no law saying that you can't do that. But there is a fine line. You can't get so shit-faced that, like, and then drive the kids. Like, that's breaking a law. But you're not breaking a law consuming alcohol in your home if you're over the age of 21. Like, <laughs> I my kids are safer in this situation. Um, I can't force him to pay me rent either. I can't, I can't, I can't force him to move out. He's told me, uh, I, I asked him to move out immediately after my job reopened and, and it was I'm not moving. Super. (laughs) And I thought, all right, I have a year to get my credit in order. That's when he stopped paying the rent. So the first year he was doing that, still, like, I wasn't dealing with that yet. But then he stopped. And I started digging into my savings to pay the rent because I'm not going to not pay my rent. And even though he's not giving me his half, I still had money and savings to cover it. But that also caused me to not like get ahead financially. So I renewed my lease again. <laughs> and now I'm like, Oh, I don't have any more savings to cover it. And I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. But if I'm being totally honest, I'm like a part of me is hoping that he thinks that we're getting evicted and then moves out. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really know. So within this no man's land, how are you able to get some kind of uh, power back for you and your kids? Or is that possible at all until he moves out or you move somewhere else? It's sad, but it's happening. There is a way. Um, It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite, and he uses it to smear me to death. 
but I also don't care what his friends or family think of me anymore. I literally don't care the baloney that he feeds his friends about me at this point. I'm like, okay, hate me. Someone's going to do it. Just go for it. Like, I'm going to save myself the trouble of proving myself to you. I do not need to do that. Um, I have developed myself. I've developed talents of mine um, and then turned them into sort of like a, a business that he can't touch. He can't. He tries, but unless I have an emotional, like, tie to what he's saying to me, he can't touch it. It's mine. He cannot touch it. We have a custody agreement, so on the nights that it's his night with the kids, I leave. I leave and I go and I work on on my my project, so what I've started to do is show my kids, like, you do not need to prove yourself to people. You do not need them to be yourself. You can be yourself. You can be true to yourself. If you feel a certain way, you are safe with me to express it. I'm there. I know I can take whatever he has to throw. And I know that I can shield it and give my kids what they need, which is a consistent, safe place to express themselves and what they need and how they feel and what they want and I'm showing them that these tactics that he's doing are not going to stop that from continuing to happen I do not want them to see that behavior and go oh that's how you do it I don't want them to accept that behavior from other people I don't want them to exhibit that behavior on others. And I've seen it start to happen here and there. And I don't judge my kids when I address them. I let them tell me why they're acting that way or being that way. And like, like I said, it, I'm trying to provide them as best as I can that structure. But it's still, it's delicate, right? Because I, I can't predict the future. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if what I'm doing is dumb. But I also don't know what I can do. I, I don't. And if you had any words of wisdom or advice for everyone listening, what would it be? Definitely no that you have the power and don't let, don't let other people tell you how you feel and who you are. Nobody can tell you who you are. You, you, you know, and you stay true to that and don't betray yourself. Don't betray yourself by Allowing something to happen that to you 
that that you you know you don't deserve and say no (laughs) build enormous boundaries enormous ones and don't let anyone patronize you into thinking that they're too big your walls are too big okay and i'm happy i'm safe are you going to take the time to properly enter or are you going to try to break it down because these are why the walls are there because the only people that are going to come in are going to be the ones that took their time and through their actions and not their words gained access i'm not going to be talked into letting someone in before i'm ready don't don't let that it's better to be alone than it is to be trapped and even if you're trapped this is weird one but even if you're trapped you can find that you can find that tiny little bit of power it's in that the it's in those moments where you feel peace even in that chaotic state that's your power that's it when you have that peace find out what it is figure it out and then hold on to it and start building that wall around that and then growing it exercise it build that and you'll start realizing more and more where you can't be touched me removing my emotions and having like no care at all what he thinks of me was huge in 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 getting me to like accept my oh my gosh there's a word for it ultimate reality no oh i wish i knew what it was my brain is not letting me access it but it's basically uh unfavorable reality (laughs) one that is just kind of like hard to accept but it is reality and and it helps you we everyone who's listening what you don't know is we've had a day together so far you know we've been chatting (laughs) this is been i think we're at about four hours and 30 30 minutes you're going to hear a condensed version of everything but we've been talking for a long time oh my God. we've had a lot of technical difficulties we've got to know each other and um the thing that people can't see is you have the most like your your face makes um every expression <laughs> um and you know what's going on like if people can't see when you're sad um, and when you're happy or maybe when you are putting on a smile, but there's sadness underneath, you know, the smile, you, you smile because it's easier to do that instead of crying. Um, there's a lot of those moments here today that a lot of people wouldn't be able to see that I could see. And y- you have gone through all of this and you haven't had a break and 
you deserve a break and I, everyone's listened to you today and different people have a different way of talking when they're on the show and, and it's not easy to do what you do today. And you have, you know, a quirky, I, I think, you know, uh, this quirky way of, of, of talking that's infectious for people to hear. And you know, I think everyone is just rooting for you. And, and when these breaks happen for people, they just happen. There's no rhyme or reason when they do. And when they happen, they just happen and everything kind of will slowly get better. Or you're just like, oh my God, like it stopped. Like you're what you're, you're so on the defensive all the time. You're just waiting for this thing to constantly hit you. And then when it stops in a lot of ways, or at least it lessens your still in that mode and like your body is waiting for it to happen and that's going to be an odd feeling for you um and there'll probably be a lot of like grief about that in in a strange way of because you'll be able to process things that you weren't able to do before there's that space there for you to do it um I daydream about those days. <laughs> I do. I really do. I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> eventually it'll happen. I do have, I'm the most optimistic human. I would po- positive nihil, positive nihilism. Oh, that's new. You're a positive nihilist. So, uh, I just, everyone is cheering for you and we're rooting for you. And we all know that you deserve a break and that you're tired and that you're just doing the best you can and you're doing well, you're doing good and you're taking your power back no matter how small that is for some people. Um, it's huge for you and you should be proud of yourself. So just remember that, that you're doing good. And your kids are going to be fantastic because of you. And remember that. And that you helped a lot of people today, too. Thank you. Thank you for having this show because I came across this and it has been really helpful to listen to other people's experiences and and know that like what i'm experiencing is not a totally isolated thing that there are other people who do know what you are going through it makes you feel not isolated (laughs) right like you can be super isolated especially when you explain to people what's going on and they're like doesn't sound that bad and you're like "Ah, okay all right we're gonna talk about anything else now it's like breathe and and it's that like strength and and community right just find like-minded people because we all seem to have like this just hopeful thing in common this like we like to see the good in people we like to believe especially knowing that a lot of these people they I've seen, I've heard that their background was not so good. And it just really digs at your heartstrings. 
And it makes you feel real guilty. And sometimes they use that guilt because they know that you feel guilty. They know that they shared their most intimate details of their lives. And you use that to excuse their behavior for them. And then they make you feel guilty for stopping that. But it's okay. Because you know, right? This is where don't let other people tell you who you are. Because you know you're a good person. Because you know you gave a shit. And even though you decided to stop giving a shit. Because it wasn't your responsibility. You're still a good person. I don't need to be responsible for his shortcomings anymore. I don't need, I'm not, I'm sorry. You're not going to change. You're not going to try. You're not going to have to try to help. I'm not going to. By the way, all that behavior was happening before me. The girl before me. And I didn't find that out for a long, long time. So. No, no, it's not about you. It's about how they feel about themselves. It's not about you. It's a hard one. <laughs> they make it so personal. And then you like introspect, right? Like you think about yourself. Like you, am I? Oh, and then you start seeing like there's that layer of truth. Oh, when that layer of truth gets in there, it gets real confusing. So just don't let people tell you who you are. Yeah. Well, Elle, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. And if you want to be a guest on our show like Elle was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button. Read all of our instructions. Either fill out our guest form or send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Also at our website, we have our very own safe social network. It's our support group. You click on the support group button at our webpage, and there you'll find our very own uh, forum boards every Wednesday night, every Thursday afternoon, and every Saturday night. We have Zoom meetings, support Zoom meetings, where we all see each other and support each other live. And uh, also at our website uh, in that area, we have our ad-free episodes. We have episodes that never made it to air. And if you just want to support our show, because we can always use your support, please do join our support group. And if you need even more support, please do go visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. So if you are someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone because domesticshelters.org offers you an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing and they can connect you with local resources like shelters and help you find ways to heal and move forward. So please visit our friends at domesticshelters.org to access this free resource today. And that is it for our show today. A big thank you once again to L and from myself and L. We hope... You have a good night.